and open to receiving. Whatever we seek God about, we must feel that he is accessible and open to receive us. There's some people going around constantly thinking that God's just waiting for an opportunity to get even with them. Well, you know, God's just punishing me. God's just punishing me. You know, God really isn't mad at us. He took out all of his anger on Jesus Christ. And he loves us. He really loves us. He's not out there as a vindictive thing looking for an opportunity. When you miss it, I got you now. I'll slap the stuffings out of you now. That's not the way God operates with us. See, he has sent his, his Holy Spirit to teach us that he loves us. He wants us to walk with him and to fellowship with him. And when we miss it, God, I missed it. He says, judge yourself. You won't be judged. I love you. We have to realize, first of all, he is accessible. When we come, he says, we, we come into his presence through the blood of Jesus Christ. We come to, before his very throne through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why if you pray the prayer that Larry Lee teaches you to pray, that's one of the things he talks about. Uh, speaking concerning all that the blood provides for us. We have redemption through his blood. Through his blood we have access into the very presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in just one thing after another after another that's provided by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now when we, when we appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ, we are accessible not by our own work, but the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we're cleansed from our sin, made the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we can come before his presence through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, if he hears us, we have the petitions that we ask of him. Ask of him. Jeremiah 33, 3. Very well-known verse. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me, and I will aggravate thee. Is that what you're saying? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. Now, first of all, he says he will answer you, but the interesting thing is here, he's going to answer you with things that you couldn't even comprehend again. Things that you're not, you're asking him for something, he said, hey, I can do better than that. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Things that you weren't even able to perceive. Now, I want to tell you, there have been a lot of times I've tried to tell God how to meet my needs. You ever tried that? God, now all you have to do, Lord, is do this and this, and I wonder sometimes he doesn't think, give me a break. Why are you down there trying to tell me how to do what I know I can do in, in ways that you can't even imagine? Now, can you imagine Peter saying, God, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, do you suppose I should go uh, out and, and get a job and fish for the weekend so I can earn enough money for uh, paying this tax that we're supposed to pay? Now, that would be one natural way to do it. I mean, a lot of us have to go out and get extra jobs from time to time to try to pay our taxes and so on and so forth, our bills. And Jesus and I think we've got a better way than that. Jesus, go down and throw one hook in the water and pull out. And the first place you find, there'll be a chunk of gold in this mouth. Take that out and pay the taxes. Wow. Peter says, you know, I never thought of that. <laughs> That's a better idea yet. When Jonah got thrown overboard, he said, God, how are you going to save me here? You're going to have to send a, 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 you know, a 
lifeboat along here or something, a dinghy or something. I need, I need, guys, I got a better way than that. I'll give you a foam blubber mattress and just get, go underwater and get thrown right back out on the shore. God says, I have a better way. He says, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which you know not. Let's not try to tell God what to do. Let's just tell him what we need and say, thank you, Father, because you know the best way to provide for us. That's the first thing. Just knowing that he's accessible and ready to receive it. In Hebrews, excuse me, Isaiah 59, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Let me go back up to uh, verse 14 of the chapter before it. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities are separated between you and your God, and your sins have, have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So if you and I find there's a time when we're praying and something doesn't seem as though, it, it seems like as though it's not getting through, just ask the Holy Spirit to show us if there's some area of disobedience, some area of iniquity in our lives that we need to repent of. And I want to tell you, whenever we do that, we don't have to say, God doesn't say, okay, now I'm going to make you wait for 30 days. He said, if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. In the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son cleanses from all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the lines are open again and we can go right back and say, now, Father, I call upon you. And he said, my ear is not heavy. I'm not hard of hearing. I don't have to have a hearing aid. My arm is not short. It's not that I can't reach out and touch you. If it isn't happening, he says, check your heart. Find out what's stopping it. There's no stoppage on this end. The stoppage is on that end. I was with a businessman not too long ago in my kitchen, and, and uh, the stoppage was not on the, in the phone company. Uh, his battery was going dead. Uh-oh, he said, well, here, get the battery charged. Beep, beep, beep. It started beeping on him. He said, yeah, I've got to do it or I'm going to lose all connection here. Well, we have to see if we have to have our batteries recharged to keep contact with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Fifteen and sixteen. Let me go back to verse fourteen. Hebrews four fourteen. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not or do not have an high cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace. Let us come boldly under the throne of grace. And uh, in the Hebrew, or excuse me, in the Greek, uh, one commentator said that that means again and again and again and again without protocol. You don't have to make an appointment with him. You don't have to ask for permission to come. You just come in the name of Jesus without any protocol whatsoever. Let us come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of, me in time of need. And another translation says, in the nick of time. 
God will meet your need in the nick of time. That's a promise. We can come boldly before his throne. We've got to really believe that he is accessible and open to receive us. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and the 6th verse. But without faith, here it is again, it is impossible to please him. It cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In other words, if you diligently seek God, he is not going to close the door. He's not going to turn his back. In diligently seeking him, it means you search your heart and find out if there's anything blocking. You get rid of it. You deal with it through the blood of Christ and confession and repentance. And then you come right back and say, God, I'm like, like Jacob of old. I will not let you go till you bless me. And I've told you time and time again how I experienced that concerning our property years ago. We, it looked like in all the natural means that we were going to lose our property. We didn't have any income. We didn't have any means of being able to go out and refinance. It was just impossible. And Beverly and I went to prayer and prayed for, fasted and prayed for 17 days just on liquid. And I said, God, I'm not coming off this until you give me an answer. Either take the property and let, it, let us know that's what you want us to do. We'll sell our furniture and go find some place to live. I don't know what it is. Either that or just show us what you want us to do. On the 17th day, God performed a miracle for us and provided the finances for us to keep our property. And I knew that God, I said, God, I don't care which way you move me. Just move me. Just help me to know what you want. That's all I want is your will. Did you put me here just to take it away again? That's up to you. God. This isn't my property. It's yours. I just give it up to you. If you want it here, take it. I'll sign the papers gladly. But just show me. I really want to be in the center of your will. And it was on the 17th day when that man came and knocked on my door and said, God told me that you have a payment due on this property and I'm supposed to pay it. $16,500. And God had told him to do it six weeks before. I would have been three weeks early on my payment, but I was three weeks late because he wasn't obedient to God. We've got to believe. I mean, uh, when, when somebody, when the man, the other man with the other part of the property called me and said, you got your payment yet? I said, not yet, but uh, I said, I'm expecting it. From where? I, I mean, he didn't ask me from where, but if he had asked from where, I just said, from God. There's no other source. I had no idea what God was going to do. One time we needed some money, and the Lord had a uh, blue and gold uh, uh, macaw land in a tree. And one of the, and Chuck D Denmark was there, and he said, I've got a friend that's got a cage. Let me go get it. And he brought it back, and we set it up on the, the uh, boathouse and put some seeds in there. And that bird flew down and went in the cage. I pulled the rope, and the door came down. And uh, we tried to find if it belonged to anyone. Couldn't find anyone it belonged to. One guy came over and said, if you can't find anyone it belongs to, here, I'll give you $300 for it. I said, praise the Lord. I mean, it flies in from, from somewhere, and there it is in the yard, $300. God has ways of meeting our needs that you and I haven't even dreamed of yet. When we really believe him for Now, let me tell you something now. When I say all this, some people say, oh, maybe God will just work a great big miracle for me. Most of the time, when I was a young fellow and was praying for God to provide for my finances, he sent a job. Another job. He sent other people money. He sent me a job. And I thanked him for that. If he gives you strength to work, thank God you can go out and make, them, make a living. You see, I, I'm not telling you how God's going to do it. I'm just going to tell you, you've got to know that he can do it any way he wants to, and his way is the best way to do it. Matthew chapter 7. Beginning with verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given you. And by the way, in the Greek, that, the tense of that is ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep on asking. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. 
Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, I mean, you're not God, you're not perfect. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly, shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, in Luke, the 11th chapter, that same verse says, How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to them that ask him? Got to ask, got to seek, got to knock. Now, may I just take a moment? This isn't in my notes. But when you ask God for something, the next thing you do, you start looking around to see if God's going to open any doors or any opportunities. I remember when we were waiting for God to meet our need one time, we needed $300 on Monday. My wife, now this may seem strange to you, but my wife went out to the mailbox on Sunday morning to see if the Lord had put any, sent somebody to put money in the mailbox. And I saw her go out the front door, and I said, what are you doing, honey? She said, I'm seeing if the Lord had anybody leave money on our front porch. What was she doing, seeking? We'd ask God for $300. We didn't know where it was going to come from. We went, came to church here in the morning, here in the evening, went back home, and it still wasn't anywhere, and she sat down to bed and started crying. We've got to have this by tomorrow morning, darling. I said, well, God knows that. It's not morning yet, is it? Well, yeah, but see, we got a little bit close. Once in a while, it kind of bugged her. 10.30 at night. Somebody came to our front door. I hadn't seen him in weeks. And he said, Pastor, I'm sorry to bother you so late at night, but God told me that my parents told me I had to get this to you tonight. I said, what is it? I don't know. He said, he told me to bring it to you. And I took it in my bedroom, threw it on the bed, and said, let's go to bed. She said, what is it? I said, what do you mean, what is it? What have you been asking God for? She said, well, $300. I said, well, look at it. I had no idea what's in there, but I know what we'd ask for. And we, she tore open the end of the envelope, went out like this, and three $100 bills fell on the bed. No, but we were thinking, look, ask, seek, knock. Is it going to come from here? Is it going to come from there? Lord, is there an opportunity? Can I, is this an open possibility? This, you know what you're doing? That means you expect it. When you ask, seek, and knock, you're expecting it, and you're just trying to find out which way is it going to come through this time. I wonder if Peter ever went down to cast a hook in again sometime, see if he would hook another one with a piece of gold in his mouth, you know? By faith, you see, when God, when a man has a need, God will meet that need. And sometimes we think, well, every time I do that, now, no, it's not going to happen the next time. Necessarily. God will have a better way the next time. But you have to ask and seek and knock expectantly that God's going to provide your need. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Matthew 18. Verses 19 and 20. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now may I just emphasize this point. Two or three are gathered together. If you wonder why God, or why the devil loves to divide a wife and a husband and keep them from praying, it's because he knows this verse is here. If any two of you shall agree concerning anything, it shall be done to my Father which is in heaven. And I could give you example after example of when Beverly and I came into agreement that God moved, wonderfully moved. 
we had had a sign just to show you how God protects fools and children and uh, I'm no child uh, I put a sign for sale I mean I just wanted to sell some corn off so we'd get our taxes and get our uh, bills paid off and I put a sign out in the corner 250 by 250 feet for sale and I had a price on it for square foot I mean for, for that section and it never sold it was there for month after month after month after month and never sold and then I found out that Beverly really didn't want to sell she was saying Lord I don't want to sell that corn Lord I really don't want that to go and so I came back and I said, whoa, wait a minute, we're really not getting anywhere here, honey. What's your problem? And she said, well, have you measured that off? I said, well, no. She said, honey, measure it off and see what we're talking about. And I went out there and I said, well, that's no big deal. And I started walking and I said, whoa, I'll clear back almost to my kitchen. Oh, it seemed like 250 by 250. That's, oh my goodness, I'm selling. She said, no, that shouldn't be, don't do that. So I said, well, okay. I called my sign man. I said, come over and paint it 150 by 150. And I said, now, would you be willing to sell? That's when we sat down and made an agreement. If you do this, 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 seven things, then we can sell. Within three or four days, a man walked in and paid me for the 150 by 150, what I was asking for the 250 by 250. Why? Because we came into agreement. And God moved. So important that we understand that when two agree, you come into agreement, some people think, well, my wife doesn't know anything about this. Well, this is not in her field at all. No, but that doesn't make a difference. You're one. And because you're one in God's sight, when the two of you come into agreement, you have power with God. If you'll ever learn that one secret, that's like saying my right foot has nothing to do with my left foot. And my right hand has nothing to do with my left hand. So my left hand and my left leg are going to do its own thing today. Now, spiritually, that's exactly what you look like in front of God when the two of you are doing something different all the time. You're totally out of order. But when the two of you will agree concerning anything, it shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. The last verse is in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and 22. Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith, and doubt not, isn't that a strange statement? If you have faith, and doubt not. If you have faith, you're not going to doubt. So what he's saying, if you have faith, the evidence will be that you don't doubt. So if you're doubting, you're not in faith. If you have faith, and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but... Also, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. He said, if you think killing a fig tree is something great, if you really had faith, and really believed, what do you say to a mountain? Be thou removed. I want to say that every time I read that, that just tears me up inside. Because we're talking about faith. And sometimes I feel my faith is zilch in compared to what God wants us to have. I feel like I am operating sometimes in the faith area about like I'm operating in my computer area. I have a hydrogen bomb sitting in my study and all I can do is flick my bit. I can't, I mean, I just make sparks and that's all there is to it. And the potential is there. I read this week in a, in a popular science magazine that they're now developing a new memory chip that's going to be conformed like the DNA of the human body and they will, get this, try to comprehend this, they will be able to put 300 million, no, excuse me, 30 million volumes of books in one chip the size of the diamond in a woman's ring. 
absolutely incredible. Can you imagine if you had about 300 of those little chips in your computer? The memory you should have there? We just have to understand the same thing operates in the area of faith. We need to stretch our faith. We need to reach out and believe God for more. I don't know about you, but may I make a confession to you as your pastor? There are times when spiritually I just get weary and tired. Like I'm, Lord, I'm just tired of fighting. And I have to go back and lie down on my bed and say, God, recharge my battery. I really need to be recharged. Because I'm really, really weary. I'm just constantly fighting. And that's when I need to mount up in the, in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. And He said, my strength will be renewed. And a lot of times I wonder if we just don't get tired out and fail to rejuvenate ourselves in God's presence. Seeking His face and saying, God, restore faith to me. Give me you know when Elijah lost his faith, here he is on the mountain and 300 prophets of hell were destroyed. And then one heifer yells at him and he runs down and hides under a tree. And says, let me die, let me die, that old heifer's after me, let me die. And God says, oh, shut up and go to sleep. He went to sleep and he wakened, he said, get up a minute here, have some food, have some water, now go back to sleep. He didn't say, I charge you to be healed and up on your feet. He said, the most spiritual thing you can do is go to bed. And he got up, he lived on that for 40 days, 30 or 40 days, something like that. <laughs> he says, I, I receive, <laughs> I receive. <laughs> I hope this helps us to have steps for productive prayer. I believe there's enough, there's enough potential right here in this church to move the whole Central Florida area for God if we really get a hold of Him in prayer. And you and I have to choose whether we're going to do it or not. I would ask you to please pray for your pastor. I'm making some decisions every single day now. And I, I really, really need your prayers. Making some real important decisions right now. And if you pray for me, I'd really appreciate it. Productive prayer. Let's believe God. He, he, he's interested. He wants to help. He wants to do everything he possibly can. If you'll only believe him for it. Amen? How many of you want to really be productive in prayer? Amen? This is the conclusion of the message.